Hello, and welcome to the Sound Up Seattle podcast. Uh, I am t- here today with John, as always, uh, but we are separated, and it is sad, but hopefully our voices are a little bit crisper. Um, mm. Parting does make such sweet sorrow. Yeah, it's really, it's truly sad. I'm sitting in my hotel room up in Blaine, just uh, just pining for affection from my boy. Um, <laughs> but Blaine, still Washington, so still qualified to be talking about Washington sports. Still, yeah, still, still relevant. If you were calling from Oregon, we'd have to put it off a week. Yeah, you know when I when I'm over in France in a month, then we'll just we just won't do it. You know, it's it won't be relevant to me. Um, we talk about tennis. <laughs> I'll get really into my tennis and golf game. <laughs> All um, right, uh, I guess. Sorry, you're still doing the intro. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll just give a quick quick summary of what we're going to talk about. We got little little Mariners um, and the disheartening couple series that we've had um since we last talked and then we've got just a couple of news pieces that involve a variety of washington related th- sports and then we'll talk about the nba as we as we always do even though there's nothing there um with the sonics yet but little little uh tidbit we might get talking about the sonics pretty pretty soon here um looking looking forward to it um but before we get into that, as always, a little little coyote picnic. All right, so I guess the first news to discuss is the Seattle Kraken. Uh, extending their GM, Ron Francis. Uh, you got a three-year deal. Uh, pretty cool. I think Kraken fans in general <laughs> believe he deserves it. He uh, took a team that was really rough last year to a team that was pretty solid this year and had a really nice postseason run. So um, I don't think that's any surprise. Yeah, I would I would agree. Um, we talked last week about that big meeting that they were hosting, and this, this was what it was. They were announcing his extension through the uh, 2026-2027 season. And I would agree. I think it's just a big like a big commitment to, to the guy who kind of got the team going in the right direction and has shown the last couple of years that the decisions that he and his, his group are making is are the right ones when it comes to advancing the Kraken for, um, for a Stanley Cup Finals push. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't think a surprise there, but uh, good news, certainly. Um, the only other big news uh, item we wanted to hit regarding Washington sports is uh, pretty crazy that UW football, you're going to have to go watch it on Peacock. Yeah, that's uh, that UW-Michigan State game, the, the biggest game for UW all season, is going to be televised on Peacock, for those of you that are not aware of this by now, um, which is, I, I don't know if it's disheartening, it's just kind of sad. because It's hugely disheartening. How many yeah. people have Peacock? Goodness gracious. I, I mean, Peacock's really been trying to get people to, to, to purchase them for quite a while. And, yeah, they keep uh, making moves, but I feel like they're like the sixth brother in streaming. Right? <laughs> who, yeah, who watches Peacock? It's, I, have no, I have no clue. Nobody I know has Peacock as a streaming service. I think it's and, like just 60-year-old divorced men. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. They're, that's they've their cornered that market. <laughs> um. But yeah, so it's just going to be weird, you know. Obviously, you just got to go to the game. I think is is the or is it at Michigan State this this year? Is that it? I think that's uh, the case. 
I believe it's at Michigan State. Yeah, because it was it was at UW last year. Um, so gonna gonna have to to find ways to watch this game. Um, you know, obviously the best way would be to watch it on Peacock, but people can do what they wish. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I would just I advise all our listeners: do not go on the internet and look for illegal streams for college and professional sports. Don't do it. It's against the law. And just because it may seem super, super easy doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. So don't do that. Um, our bases are covered, I think. Uh, well, yeah, we're definitely going to sign up for Peacock here. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm on it. What's, you know, the game's in September, I think. So we'll, we'll sign up for that while we, while we still live together. We only have to pay for one subscription. It'll be great. Peacock, a streaming service you can trust. <laughs> um, I do want to touch on one more thing that's not news, but I want to ask you how the Storm game was last week. We we talked right before you were headed out, and uh, I just want to hear your thoughts. How was seeing Brianna Stewart live and in person, and uh, how was watching her team lose their fourth consecutive game? <laughs> it was a mixed bag, uh, Tyler. It was a mixed bag. Really fun. My first time at Climate Pledge. Um, I think it's awesome they play there. It's a great arena. They got it decked out. Um, it's pretty cool, you know, go to those games. Just like Seattle's got a nice Storm fan base. And um, I guess not particularly surprising knowing Seattle, but it was just pretty cool going to the game. A good crowd. Um, seeing Brianna Stewart was awesome. We were sitting like right behind the uh, Liberty bench. So I got, a couple, I got a couple pictures of just like Brianna Stewart just like standing at the bench. Um, and Did you get any good heckles in? <laughs> no, no, all, all respect, all respect, Emily. but uh, yeah, she was even taller than she looks on TV and is really good at basketball. She was bowling out out there. Um, yeah, yeah, the storm, uh, it's been a tough season. I think I up until yesterday, the highlight of their season had been me mistakenly thinking they were one and one when we first talked about the storm <laughs> a couple weeks ago. They were 0 and 2, and when, when they lost to the Liberty, were 0 and 4. Um, but they just won their first game of the season two days ago, um, a day ago, against, uh, I can't remember who they were playing, but they lost the first game and then they won the second and came back from like down 20. I remember uh, looking up the box score and it was crazy. Um, they were down like 24 and stormed all the way back to win their first game of the season. So that was cool. But yeah, the storm, rough start to the year. We talked about it before. This was kind of to be expected. Um, but it is really cool. Jewel Lloyd, uh, who's the Storm point guard, obviously, um, and kind of the one, you know, major player uh, carryover from those uh, Sue Bird uh, and Brianna Stewart teams. She's doing awesome. Uh, la- up to last night, she was leading the WNBA in scoring per game, which is really? crazy. That's yeah, awesome. She's, she was averaging like 26 or something. I can't remember exactly what it was. But, yeah, it was tearing it up. Obviously on a team that is really struggling, but it is at least fun watching her play at a really high level. And, uh, you know, like we said, there's some good players in the draft, so maybe not the worst thing in the world to be near the bottom this year. Does it, uh, does it look like our young, young studs are, are making any, have we seen any, like, or did you notice any improvements or things that they were working on? Or like, did they just seem totally out of their element? Was there anything Uh, that you could tell? I did not, I was not super encouraged by the play of the young players, but that's the thing about young players. You know, they're learning, they're getting better. Um, 
our yeah our defense kind of lapses I feel mm. um, and the offense is pretty pretty uh, in and out so it's just not a great combination but they play hard they play hard um, yeah good yeah I mean that's uh, defensive lapses happen in the NBA we saw that with Michael Porter Jr. in and, game and two and especially with, with the young the teams, finals yeah. there yeah you know, young guys and and gals uh, definitely definitely struggle with uh, defensive lapses early on in their professional basketball careers we've seen that plenty yes and yeah uh obviously seeing Brianna Stewart was awesome uh it was actually pretty cool uh Courtney Vandersloot is on the Liberty uh and she was playing against the storm but she was a former zag all uh all the zags out there know Courtney Vandersloot because she had a big <laughs> banner in the kennel because she's was really really good at Gonzaga um and when she was walking off the court at the end of the game, because she's on the Liberty, she's walking past us, me and my girlfriend, who's also from Gonzaga, shouted out, like, hey, Courtney, go Zags, and she waved at us. So, you know. Ooh. We're, we're you know, you know, this is a podcast <laughs> Just, where you come to talk to people who, like, interact with the athletes, you know? I'm not <laughs> saying I interviewed Courtney Vandersloot, but uh, there was a conversation in the eyes, you know? Okay. I like that. A conversation in the eyes. <laughs> All um, right. But yeah, um, I think that's that's my NBA, our WNBA thoughts for the, nice. the week. Yeah, we uh, we good to move to the Mariners and their their uh, do we have sadness? To? I feel like every time we talk, it's always a sad discussion. To be honest, yeah, I feel like it's been getting worse. I feel like it's like <laughs> a sick relative that we're like, no, he's about to turn the corner, and it just keeps going downhill. Yeah, um, yeah. So when we talked. Uh, they had lost the series to the Yankees 2-1 and mm, were going they had, into the series against the Rangers. And what did we say? We said this was a huge series. We said You said we had to win one. We didn't have to win two. I said we had to win two. You said we just have to win one. Um, and that did not happen. Yeah, we got swept either way. Um, yeah, we had talked after game one of the Yankee series, uh, which they lost, I believe. And we were like, we, they need to win one, which they did, and so we were we were okay with it. And then, uh, yeah, the the Rangers series came around, and we had said they need to win four of the the next seven to feel to feel comfortable. And they proceeded to get swept by the Rangers and win one against the Padres, who are a below five hundred team. Um, so all that yeah. all that is to say, they went two and five over their next seven games, um, and have since to fallen fall below, below five hundred again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So and in the last two Rangers games, we gave up twenty eight runs. Yeah, well, we we got outscored that thirty so to nine bad. over the series. It was awful. Yeah, we only gave up two in the first game, but yeah, that's true. That the is, first game was we good. got absolutely raked in the next two. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, guys. Yeah, we we led you straight on that one. I think <laughs> we thought the Mariners. Is it okay? Is it time? I. I think it's time to pull back expectations for this team. Like, I've been holding out that they could be the team that I thought that they could be this year. And they are now 30 and 31. You know, we're creeping towards the halfway mark of the season, and they are below 500. I, maybe this is a hot take. Tell me I'm wrong. Pull me back from the ledge. But I, I think it may be time to reassess what this team can be this year. Yeah, I think... So when you look at their record, right, they're seven and zero against the Oakland A's, uh, which is good. They're beating <laughs> they're beating the team that they need to beat, the one team. Um, but if but you that, take those seven yeah. away, 
then they're 23 and 31 against teams that are not the Oakland A's and are, you know, <laughs> they've, they've been beating or at least like trying to be 500 against teams that are about 500 or, or below. And then you have series against people, teams like the, the Rangers and Yankees and I guess the Braves, like all, all the, the series against good teams, they're getting beat and it's pretty convincingly, um, I, I will say, I think your take on the Rangers from the start of the season was spot off. Just totally incorrect. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you, were, you, know, <laughs> you know, they're still frauds, but they're just really, really good at being frauds. <laughs> Some of the best frauds I've ever seen in my life. They are, uh, they're definitely competing for like that top spot in the MLB in terms of the power rankings. And the Rays started off like... 13 and 0. Like they're catching up to a team that that's 40 and 14 in terms of the power rankings. It's it's been pretty insane. Yeah. Um yeah, and they they are shredding. You know what? My yeah. take was stone cold. I'm going to go ahead and take it on the chin. <laughs> um I think the thing that we that a lot of Mariners fans are upset about is the Rangers basically spent their way out of the doldrums. Like they were they were awful for a couple of years there after Adrian yes, Beltre yeah, left they and they were. were kind of searching for an identity. And then last year they spent $500 million on two players. And this year they got Jacob deGrom and just like everybody kind of advanced it within their system. Adolis Garcia is playing better. They've got Josh Young, their third baseman, who's I believe a rookie still, or he was like got a cup, got a handful of games last year, but is technically a rookie. Um, and he's playing kind of, he's doing kind of the Jared Kelnick thing. Um, and so when it gets to be like when you compare the success of the Rangers and the uh, the the pitfalls of the Mariners, it's like you can see the obvious difference is the Rangers spent money on players so that so that they could immediately improve. Now, why don't the Mariners do that? Well, the the owner obviously probably doesn't want to. Um, and the other side is why does Jeff Bezos not own the Mariners? Why if we're fucking. <laughs> Apologies. We are Seattle. There is so much tech money here. Bill Gates doesn't want to own the Mariners. Why can't we get one of these billionaire owners? I feel like there's some sort of I, there's some sort of like conflict of interest there that probably Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates can't be owners of baseball teams or like sports teams why, in general. Because I feel like why not? I don't I don't know. Do, maybe Bill Gates owns a team, I'm, and I'm just fully unaware of it. I mean, why? Yeah, Bill Gates can 100% own a team because the CEO of Microsoft after him, Steve Ballmer, owns the, owns the Clippers. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like maybe they're why just not, not sports guys. The maybe yeah, they're just not sports guys. It just sucks, man. Big, big tech guys. <laughs> I hope I hope somebody really rich buys the uh, the Supersonics when they expand because there's nothing worse than having cheap ownership because I just uh yeah, it's it's frustrating. Um, one thing though, and this is uh, this is just a different kind of way to look at the Mariners not spending money is like Trey Turner, who who was their supposed one of their big guys that they were looking at this past off season, like probably the biggest free agent, um, was is getting thirty million dollars a year for the next ten years and is playing like hot garbage um, for his standards. Ten um, years, oof. Yeah, and so when you think about that, it's like it's tough to commit to a player when you when you don't know the extent to which they can play, and especially at T-Mobile Park, when you get it's just like it's a tough hitters park, and when you get that kind of compounding of like when the when the season starts, 
uh, it's really hard to hit home runs at T-Mobile because of the the heavier air. It's just like denser. The, that marine layer really really slows the ball down. Um, and so I, I feel like the mental aspect of that can kind of compound, like we've seen a little bit this year with Colton Wong. Little um, seasonal affective disorder. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, a little bit like that, but not uh, yeah, not in the depressive state. Just in the just in the batting state. I don't know. I'm pretty depressed watching the Mariners. <laughs> um, some positive notes. Let's let's talk about a little positivity. Uh, Logan Gilbert has looked pretty dang amazing over his last few starts. I think he's kind of like taken the helm. George Kirby was our rock, um, and he's kind of he's had a couple shaky starts. He had one against the Pirates, and then his most recent start, um, which was I believe against was it yesterday against the Padres, where he gave up I think five and in four innings. Um, he's just been a little shaky recently, uh, and I think he had a, he had a good start against the Rangers, but our 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 who we thought was our defensive stalwarts or pitching stalwarts were uh, have been a little lackluster when it comes to Bryce Miller and George Kirby. Um, yeah, Brian Wu really let us down. Brian Wu did let us down. He's zero and one and has a twenty seven ERA. Yeah, that's that first start was that's, rough. I think he got through two innings and gave up six runs or something like that. It was it was not was tough, pal. great, um, but he is slated to start a game against the Angels, and that'll be a, a better, a, an easier team to come in against. I think he, I think Brian Wu's first start was against the Rangers, and that was that was tough to come into. Yeah, yeah, he he pitched the game that we gave up sixteen. That's why he yeah. has a twenty seven ERA. In one well, and he only gave up six of those runs, so. <laughs> Yeah, that's tough. Uh, yeah, that, that's a positive. I also, I just, this team confuses me. We're like, kind of like you're saying, if you, ta- I think it's pretty fair to kind of just take the A's out of it. They're like so bad. Yeah. The fact they were like eight below 500 without the A games. This team seems like a team, the pitching, we have such good pitching. How can Gilbert, Kirby, Miller, uh, Castillo all have good seasons? And yet, we're like well below 500 without playing the A's. I think I think a big thing that has to do with that is uh, Gino. Like we don't really we haven't provided any power, and Gino is hitting 211 and has five home runs or whatever. Um, Julio's getting there in terms of his power, but nobody's ever on base when he hits home runs. Um, Ty France has been a little lackluster in terms of what we expect from Ty France in his usual production. Uh, Cal Raleigh's been below where we hoped he would be. Tay Oscar's been performing below where we hoped he would be performing. Um, obviously, Colton Wong has been lacking. AJ Pollock hasn't performed up to where we thought he would be. He has an OPS hovering around like 550. Um, just the the entirety of the acquisitions that we made in the offseason have not panned out in the way that we hoped they would. Um, Including the, the bullpen is struggling too. Yeah, I would say the bullpen's fine. We had Munoz get injured, and Penn Murphy got injured as well. Uh, Brash has had really bad Babbitt luck. Like, our pitching, in my opinion, our pitching is totally all right, and it should suffice for the rest of the season as long as they're making constant starts, you know, and doing what they've been doing. They should be totally all right. But our hitting just needs to have, just to develop a little bit more consistency. Like, every everything that Jerry DePoto's been saying is, like, you know, we couldn't have predicted the, that Teoscar Hernandez would have a career low in WRC plus. Colton Wong would have a career low in WRC plus. Like, 
people these these players fell off a cliff in terms of their production and uh they're just getting back to it i sent you that picture of um the top five strikeout leaders in the yeah. American league and in four of them were mariners it's just like the strikeout which is crazy for a team that's entire philosophy is controlling the zone um it's just yeah it's been a it's been a struggle to do exactly what their hitting philosophy is and so that's kind of where they've stagnated a little bit as yeah. well, I would say I, I think it would be fair to say that the offense <clears throat> it doesn't just need time to work out the kinks I think the offense needs systematic change that's something to, to to bring up a lot of people are calling for the hitting coach to be fired I don't necessarily think that's the best way to go uh, the you hitting know, coach you never want to hear that, and he's probably a good coach, but there's something to be said about when these guys go out and new guys come in, in all across sports, it does have a tendency to kind of like get the group's energy up, even if it's just because there's a new coach around, you know, you want, you're just working maybe a little harder. I don't know what it is, but all across sports, you see when these coordinator types, when these position coach types go out and you bring in fresh blood, it often helps. Yeah, it can't get much worse. That's my thing. Is it can't get much worse? It would be it would be totally fine if they did that. I wouldn't have any concerns with it. But you have to, I think, look a little bit more inward at the players and say, okay, what has you guys' approach been? Because the hitting coach's job is to tell them, you know, how they should be hitting and approaching the game. But they are all having the same issues, and I think it's like their mentality. It doesn't seem like last year everybody was decent. Julio had, and I don't think the hitting coach has changed. Julio had the same kind of um, struggles that he's been had, or that he, yeah, he had the same struggles last year that have been amplified this year because people know how to pitch to him. Um, we're seeing Jared a little bit regress. I think it might just be kind of like the way that the 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 game has adapted to the team in terms of like there's a lot of data on Julio now. They after the first couple, like month of the season, they've kind of figured out what to what to do to pitch against Jared. Um, you know, there's data on Cal, there's data on Gino and how he hits at T-Mobile Park. It's just like all that kind of stuff where it was a bunch of new players kind of coming together last year. There's all this mm. new information that teams can be using to combat the way that we were approaching the game last year. And it makes it def- definitely, you know, 10 times tougher. And, you know, that's that's totally fair. And I think you pointed out well that last year was kind of a conjunction of good things when it came to our lineup. Um, yeah, when I said systematic change, you know, coaching something to consider, I'm also talking about the players themselves. Like, mm. I do not believe that this group of hitters will necessarily reach that, what they had last year. There's a chance that there were just a couple things that went their way last year. Obviously, you know, I would never want to touch Julio, and I, I wouldn't want to touch Kelnick either. I think I would want to hold on to JP as well. And, and Cal. But besides that, I think cleaning anyone else out and finding a replacement you know I guess this goes back to our earlier conversation it would be nice to fill some of those positions with stars like other teams can do Um, I think that would make a really big difference but um, I'm not sure that will happen yeah I think we have to we have to look at the team and say okay is there a realistic possibility that they can make the playoffs this year and 
to be honest, they were below like seven games worse than they were at this point last year. Like there's definitely a chance for them to make the playoffs. There's no reason for them not to. The other side of that is they had a 14 game win streak right before the all-star break last year. Yes. Um, and and uh, so, I, so I think this is a good time to bring it back to the, my original question. Do you think it's time to lower expectations? What are your expectations for the Mariners for the rest of the year? Like, well, we know where they're at now. What what do you really think the rest of the year is going to look like? I personally think you can't lower expectations right now. Like, it's been we're we're five hundred, and the team is like the offense is slumping hard. Like, imagine if we were to pick it up to league average. Just sure. to, like there's. You know, it's tough to get there, and maybe it's we get there through trades or player acquisitions. Like today, we acquired Didi Gregorius, which is, you know, not a huge name, or I guess it's a big name, not a huge yes, player at this point. He not was, a huge production. He's in the yeah. minors. He's been in, in like Mexico playing baseball for the last couple of years. Um, but he's been doing really good over there. Yeah, he was he was slated to play in there to hit in the home run derby there. Um, but yeah, all that is to say, like, I don't think the talent is going to come from within the system, I think is where we're getting at in terms of changing the structure of the team. Um, the problem is you can't really get rid of players like Gino or Teoscar um, because they're rentals who are playing poorly. They would be rentals who are playing poorly. Their contracts would be, I think, are over at the end of this year. And I think the same thing for Colton Wong, who's even tougher to get rid of. Um, and so you have to make all these acquisitions and you've got to, get rid of players in your farm system which is kind of your strong suit when it comes to like pitching we have a lot of young guys who are good up-and-coming pitchers but they're far away from the major league teams and so they're not going to be producers anytime soon uh so you have to kind of sell on those players and kind of just dfa players like colton wong and aj paul like people who aren't producing um which takes a lot of the value out of your team yeah, that's fair. I, I guess I would say I do think the expectations need to be lowered in terms of going into this year. My expectations were really that this was a team with an outside shot at winning the World Series. An outside shot. Not one of the favorites, but a chance. I do not think this team has a chance to win the World Series. If expectations are make the playoff, you're absolutely right. It's not time to say this team cannot make the playoff because it totally can. But I do not believe with our talent level. I think my understanding of our talent level has changed over the course of this year. It's clear that, you know, Julio's going to be great. He's going to be awesome. He's so young, second year. He's still, if you're looking at it in the context, he's still playing really well. I, I'm not sure he's going to be, like, an absolute generational phenom like we thought he might be, you know? It might take a couple of years. Yeah, um, I, th- I think that's safe to say. He might be in a little bit of a sophomore slump this year, too. Sure, yeah, and you know, it takes time. Baseball, you know, players hit their peak a lot later than they do in other professional sports, other than like golf. But, uh, so that's not a surprise. It doesn't mean he's not going to be awesome. But for this year and for the next maybe two years, I do think it kind of makes you reevaluate things. So, yeah, I, I really hope this team can make the playoff. Obviously, that would still be awesome. It's, you know, we get it back for one year. That's still awesome if you get it. Seattle fans aren't sick of, of playoff games. Um, but I do think, it. I would say, I would pull the trigger on like confidence in a shot at the World Series. 
Yeah, I, w- I would be in agreement. I don't think that this team has World Series potential, and I don't think they could get there even through the trade system, or yeah, through trading. Um, Not this year, anyway. Yeah, I, I do think they have an outside chance of making the playoffs. There's just a lot of good teams this year, I think, is what it yeah, is. Like the AL, the, the AL West and AL East have been loaded. I, the um, AL is really good this year. Yeah, I guess. I, I'm, I'm not really sure about the NL because the Mariners are in the AL. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> open your mind, bro. <laughs> um, but they're in fourth at one game below 500 right now. There's usually that's like enough for like 500 is the third place team, but the Rangers are whatever it is, 40 and 15. The Astros are 36 and 26. The angels are like 34 and 30. Like the Mariners are chasing three of the, or, you know, at least two of the teams that we thought they were assuredly better than, which were, the Angels and Rangers, we thought they would 100% be better. And that's yes. and that's just for the wild card spot. Then you get into the AL East, and you have the Rays, who are seem like an unstoppable force. And you've got the Yankees, who really dominated the Mariners. You've got the uh, Orioles, who are playing out of their minds right now. You've got the Red Sox, who are like below 500. But I think that's kind of where we're at right now, is kind of on par with the Red Sox. Um, yeah, what a what a depressing thought. Yeah, and so right there, and I, I didn't even mention the positions. Blue Jays. I think the Red Sox are in last in the AL East, because um, the Blue Jays have been playing well too. And it's just like I don't I don't know that there's a an easy path to get to the playoffs this year, which they, sucks they because we we really thought teams would be worse than they are, but I think other yeah. players and signings have panned out a little bit better than what the Mariners have gotten. You know what? All of that makes me sad. Except for the fact that the Orioles are doing well. I always, I'm always happy for the Orioles anytime they're good because they are so bad for so long and so often that it's like, you know, good for those guys, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. It's like the, like the Kings from, from this year in the NBA. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, I agree with you. It is a tough situation. Yeah, yeah. Getting just thinking about expectations getting leapfrogged by two teams in the division in the division when we were hoping to leapfrog the number one team in the division <laughs> is tough it's almost like an insult to injury thing too that like the one team that didn't leap over us what is like the worst team in baseball <laughs> by a sizable margin they're so on pace to have just... the worst record like ever <laughs> yeah and, and the Oakland A's are putting their arms around the Mariners and saying, well, at least we still have each other. <laughs> and we're like, no, 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 no. We're not with you. Um, um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Let's, uh, let, give me, give me your tough. one final thought as to how, to how to have fun the rest of this season. What are, we, what are we looking for going forward? Okay, so what you want to look for is you want to just look to enjoy nice pitching, look to enjoy Julio and Kelnick. If they're not at bat, avert your eyes. Like, bring your phone or something that you can play games on. And only look up when Julio and Kalanick are batting. Um, and then look at the value of all our one-year contracts. Add up the money and look at MLB contracts and think about the players we could get in the offseason. I like it. I like that thought. What about you? <laughs> Uh, I would say the one thing that is exciting in terms of Seattle is that the All-Star Games come into Seattle. So, you know, Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah, vote, vote for your Seattle All-Stars. You've got Julio, you've got Jared, you've got Cal, you've got JP, you've got Castillo, Kirby, Gilbert, all these guys who 
have really an outside chance looking in to make the all-star team, but somebody's got to represent the Mariners. Why not have it be Julio and get well, excited for his season? Yeah, Julio might make it just off his momentum from last year, and I think we'll have at least one pitcher there. Our pitching's agree. been really solid, so yeah, that'll be good. That's a really good point. That is something to be excited about. Yeah, and just and yeah, enjoy enjoy the ride. You know, you, you we've got Julio for twelve more years after this. Like, enjoy each year that you have him. Um, That's it. Man. Looks like Teo's turning it around a little bit. I'm excited to see him. Hopefully, get back to what we thought he could be. Um, and just hope and pray. <laughs> Man, that's so... Your positive energy is completely changing my mood. That's another just excellent point of just... You know, I was even talking... You know, Julio's had maybe a tiny bit of a disappointing year. But he's also facing all those new challenges and still playing solid. And yeah, we're going to have Julio another decade. Enjoy every year of him. You know, there'll be years we're good, we're good. There'll be years we're not as good. But having a generational talent that you can go watch is always worth doing. It's like when Felix was on the team. We would always enjoy just going to his games, even though we sucked for two decades. It was still yeah. fun. I would love Felix on this team so much. That you know, nice. that, would be, that would be a fun side episode to do of all-time historical Mariners you would want to add to this team this year <laughs> in Hawaii. Because you probably couldn't take Felix. You'd have to take a bat. You probably have to take. We we would each draft like three guys, and I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that Felix would make the, make that cut. No, he might. I mean, obviously Griffey would go one. Edgar Martinez too. I think Edgar might go one. We need a DH, bro. Oh, you th- ah, dude, <laughs> Griffey, man. I don't know him and Julio. I don't know. Man. The D- the best DH award in Major League Baseball is like called the Edgar Martinez Award. I, bro, nobody on the planet loves Edgar Martinez more than me. Um, I think that's but, false. Hey, you know, <laughs> we it sounds like it sounds like we should do this draft sometime. Uh, yeah, we should we should do it. We also have a lot of fun ideas coming up in terms of Mariners discussion, even if they're playing bad. So we are look forward to that. That's something to look forward to this season. Yeah, Enjoy let's it. Look at that. Look forward to us. You know? <laughs> us and what we provide for you. We're looking out for you guys. Um, all right, that's enough Mariners. Gosh, we've been rambling rambling on baseball. We, we always talk the most about things that make us sad. What does that say about us? It means we just um, need a vent, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's, we need an outlet. Uh, let's talk. We have a, a bit of time left. Let's uh, turn our thoughts to the NBA. Uh, the NBA Finals have been kind of an up-and-down affair. Uh, to recap, Game 1, uh, Denver 1, Fairly handily. Didn't play great. Heat came back a little bit, but they closed it out. Game two, tight game most of the way through. Denver built a pretty big lead. They were up eight going into the fourth, and the Heat stormed back and won. Got everybody thinking, hey, do the Heat have the chance? And game three, uh, last night, Denver kind of smacked the Heat around, and Jokic was amazing, and Joel Murray was amazing, and people were like, oh, wait. No, it was the second game we overreacted to. So... Now we're ready for the Heat to win Game 4 and everyone to realize they overreacted in the other direction again. As, as they've done every single week or every single game. Isn't yeah. that amazing? I, we should, I don't know why we're not betting tens of thousands of dollars on NBA games. The lines are getting so swayed every week by these just national narratives that literally just lean back and forth. Like people running to one side of the boat and then it sways down towards the water so they run to the other side of the boat. It's insane. It's like a tree blowing in the breeze and then it just like stops and sways the other way. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, and when it's swinging, it's giving you these big point spreads that you can just jump on. We're sitting on the couch like suckers. We should yeah. be stacking cheese. We need to we need to do this by going to a casino and, and gambling our all our money away, right? Oh, that's a really <laughs> good idea. While we're at the casino, we might as well play some craps. <laughs> I hope young kids listen to this podcast. Gamble yeah, kids. There's a lot it's of like six year olds. I think that there's a lot of six year olds that listen to this podcast at this point, buddy. Everyone should try to become professional influencers and try to gamble all their money. Really good <laughs> advice. Um, let's um, talk a little bit about the games and give me give me your reaction as to like give me a game by game. What was your reaction after the first game? What was your reaction after the second game? What, were you swaying back and forth? Were you fully focused on the Nuggets? What were your thoughts? No, man. People, uh, you just gotta watch it and enjoy. It. I think for me, I don't really have stakes in it what's been so fascinating for me personally is just trying to figure out who i want to win i'm actually pretty torn because obviously denver it'd be an awesome story it's their it would be their first championship for the nuggets um Jokic is awesome i love Jokic. he seems like a great guy he's really funny um seems to care about the right stuff i really like Jokic. i don't i don't dislike anybody on their entire team um but at the same time, if, if this Miami team won the title, which is like Jimmy Butler is their best player, who's just like, the guy's made like three all-star teams. Like, we, we all love Jimmy Butler, but he's like, he has not been like represented as like one of the best players in this league. Um, and this just kind of like ragtag group of many like undrafted players, it would be maybe the greatest upset in the history of the NBA in terms of like a team winning it all. So do you, you know, kind of root for the team that's never done it but was the one seed in the West? Or do you root for, like, the absolutely wild eight-seed story but also a team that's won multiple times in the past? For me, that's the intrigue. I don't actually care who wins. Interesting. Okay. So I think – so something that I've been thinking about is, like, how each of these teams, if they won, how the NBA could change afterwards. Yes. Um, and one of the things that I was thinking of is is the fact that this Heat team seems so thrown together, uh, but the way that their defense and offense work, and mainly their defense, but it works by flustering opponents by changing the looks every single time, um, or not every single time, but frequently. And then you have them going up against Jokic, who is this prolific, prolific offensive player. And you've kind of got two sides of the coin where it's like, I think the defense, if they're if it's run in a way that Miami is running it, and like the way that they've kind of dominated in the playoffs, it could change the defensive scheme of the NBA for like the next decade. If if they win the finals, like teams are going to start modeling their defensive strat schemes based on the Miami Heat defense. Whether that's, I mean, does that just mean running a lot more zone? I think it just means changing up the zones more frequently or changing up the looks more frequently so that you can confuse even the most prolific offensive players like Nikola Jokic or Luka Doncic, yeah. anybody who's well, like a solo offense, offensive producer, you can well, really I, go for it. I think that, yeah, I get what you're saying. That doesn't really happen. They haven't slowed down Jokic at all. He's put up monstrous numbers every game. Giannis was putting up big numbers every game too. But I, I think you're right in that they they have been switching up the defense a lot, the constantly changing looks as the game goes on. And I think what it's really doing is messing with the role players, you know? Aaron Gordon's not putting up big numbers. Bruce Brown isn't, you know? 
um, it's just the stars that are putting up stats. So I mean, you could still be right, but I, you know, I don't think we're necessarily necessarily seeing this affect the top level offensive talent. I, I would agree. I don't think we're seeing it affect Nikola Jokic in his production. I guess you. The well, guy so, had the first thirty twenty ten in the history of the finals. Yeah, and so what? what that in that second we got game, him, boys. in that second game, he scored forty one points, and they lost. Yes, and so yeah. looking at that, it's it's like the Heat are trying to get certain things to happen um, while they're running their defensive schemes. And That's so fair. if those things are happening the way that they want or people are missing their shots or things like that, then it gives the Heat the best opportunity to win. And it's obviously worked thus far. They beat the number one seed in the East. They beat the number two seed in the East. And they beat the number four seed in the East. It's just like, you know, it's not going to stop. It feels like it's just going to keep going. And, you know, what's Nikola Jokic to this Heat defense? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You know, once, like I said, it'd be cool if the Heat won, but... I think the problem for them, I really think Denver's going to win. I, think I agree. Just a I, team. I think they're just super talented, yeah. Yeah, and you know, yeah, the Heat play super hard, they play together, and I think either way, what they've accomplished might uh, might change the way that some of the high-end coaches decide to build their defenses, but uh, I really think Jokic is like a generational talent, and that's more of what we're seeing. Like, Jokic is... So flipping good. I on I this is gonna sound like exaggeration, and I could be wrong, but I think that Nikola Jokic could beat any two Miami Heat players in a game to eleven. By himself? By himself. God, that is the most reactionary take I've ever heard in my life. Jesus Christ, so, John. Obviously all he could do is like really stand under the basket and just like force short jump shots. But what's who's to say he couldn't score eleven straight and just keep taking the ball out? You don't think he could score eleven straight on two Heat players? I mean, no. <laughs> unless it's could. unless it's Kyle Lowry and Gabe Vincent. No. <laughs> what? Okay. What if we give him an inbounder? So what if he can just like get down low and just catch catch passes on the inbound? I'll give him against two. If people. you give him one guy who stands at like the three point line and he can pass to him and then like okay, what about like Jok- yeah, Jokic, Jokic and me, and for whatever, <laughs> but then they would still just double him. I mean, that's what I would do if I was playing. But then I'd just be draining those threes. Baby. That's how we get to eleven. I don't know. It's the NBA. I feel like putting a one v two at any point is still going to be the most challenging thing of all time. It but, might be reactionary. I just the guy is really, really good at offense, man. He is. I mean, I think what it is is he has such a huge impact. But you also saw in the game yesterday, he had the thirty twenty ten, and they they only won by fifteen. And Jamal Murray also, I think, had a triple double. Like they had. He had a thirty point triple double. Yeah, they had two of the. Some of like the greatest play or finals performances of all time, and they only won by fifteen. Like it wasn't a blowout by any means. Yeah, Jamal was kind of padding his stats, but uh, I don't I don't know, man. It was like a pretty big margin for most of the game, and the Heat played with a lot of gamesmanship to like. But it was like sixteen in like the third quarter, and basically they just kept it there. Mm. Yeah, to be honest, I didn't um, watch the game. I'm just reacting to the stats that I saw sure, and sure. the final score. Yeah, well, you know, once again, what I'm not going to do is be like, oh, you know, Denver and five, like, they've got this thing locked down, because that's exactly what happened after game one, and then game two happened. So Miami could absolutely win another one. They could win another couple. They could win the series. I do not think that they will. Hey, like I said a couple weeks ago, 
I put money on them on the, this series to go to six. You put That's money nice. on Denver to sweep. Remember, we bet ten dollars on this. Uh, you need to go back to the tape. So well, f- find it. <laughs> Show me evidence. You still owe me five bucks for that for that other bet we made that you you copped out of. I did not cop out of it. Was that on? No, that was just while we were hanging out. It was just while we were hanging out, and you, you changed the story. But that's okay. It's okay. I'm not bitter about it. I've forgotten all about it. <laughs> well, if I end up winning this bet, then I'll have I'll have that five dollars rescind rescinded from the, <laughs> from my what I owe you. Uh, you're you're kind. See, I just talk him out of me having to pay him money. <laughs> um. All right. Well, I think I think that's all I really wanted to say on the NBA. Um. There is one more topic that you brought up. Uh, when we were planning this episode, I don't know if you still want to talk about it, but um, a little drama rant discussion, perhaps, and what's going on with that? Oh, uh, yeah, jaw, yeah. That's we we should mention it. I'm not sure there's a ton to say because we haven't heard from Adam Silver yet. Yeah, still wait. But but jaw's jaw's a dummy. Yeah, Adam Silver had a very uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not not menacing. But uh, yeah, no menacing. Yeah, I guess it I'm was scared. I'm frightened for Jaw. <laughs> he might, he might burn him at the stake. It does not sound like it's going to be good. Yeah, it's looking like he's going to get a 30 game suspension or something like that for his uh, his his antics, um, which is tough. Which is tough. That's it's tough to get Let's suspended for any amount of games. Around, but yeah, bro. stop waving guns around on your Instagram stories and. Uh, go to actual rehab don't just go to rehab for five days and then come back and say you're fine or just like don't go to rehab because you're not addicted to waving guns around maybe just don't be a dumbass <laughs> or if it's something more serious then like go get like you know professional psychiatric help I, I don't know what rehab is supposed to do is he supposed to be just wasted every time he's doing this no i don't I, know how rehab it's like doctor I, i'm addicted to waving guns <laughs> around it's like I don't think rehab is what this guy needs. I mean, that was what they said that he went through during the first stint. It was like, oh, yeah, I spent I five days in, in a rehab clinic. And, yeah, I it don't know if that's... that was all BS. <laughs> I don't know if that's the way to go about it, but maybe if you're going to do that, spend a little bit more time on it. Um, but, yeah, whatever whatever he does, he just needs to he needs to think about his actions a little bit more. Um, we're, we're anxiously awaiting the the outcome or the the statement from Adam Silver after the uh, after the NBA Finals. Um, it'll be interesting. Yeah, it'll be good to hear. Well, we talked for a nice 40 minutes on the Mariners. Would you like to give any, any further discussion before we, we sign off for the folks? I think I'm all good. Just, uh, just optimistic for better times ahead. Nice. Look at us, trying to keep it under 50. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close it out strong. If you enjoyed this episode of Sound Up Seattle, please feel free to give us a follow on Spotify. Uh, you've already been listening to this entire podcast for 48 minutes. Uh, hit that follow button. Um, if you would like to interact with us on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok, you can find us at Sound Up Seattle, all lowercase, all one word. Um, we can also be reached at soundupseattle at gmail.com if you want to send us any questions or ideas or anything like that. Um, you can find me, Tyler, at Tycart50, basically everywhere that's important. Uh, and John is hiding from me at our house. Yeah, I'm just I'm so scared, man. <laughs> he's, uh, he's just super anxious for me to come home tomorrow after this week away. Um, I'm, like, I'm like a Labrador. I'm sure the house is a mess. <laughs> didn't even crack one up. The house is actually immaculate. It's never been this clean before. 
Nice. Good. Good. You could you could eat off the floor. I regularly do. <laughs> I'm just picturing you sitting on the floor in front of the TV playing Star Wars Battlefront. It's a great great image. Oh yes. Oh yes. That <laughs> actually is what I've been doing. It's been quite lovely. All right. Uh, we hope you have a good good Friday. I will uh, be posting this tonight, and it'll come out tomorrow. Um, so yeah, look forward to that next NBA Finals game and uh, get stoked for the Mariners' upcoming little little session of this season. Go M's, let's, baby. Let, let's go M's. Let's go. Come on. <laughs>